Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Quarterbacks coming up. We've got Mike Wright, quarterback of the Vanderbilt Commodores in 20 minutes. Former Georgia quarterback Aaron Murray on the show today in an hour. OutKick 360 rolls on as we broadcast live in Nashville, Tennessee. Glad you're with us. Wherever you may be listening or watching today, 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Withrow back with us next week alongside PK Hutton here and another quarterback, quarterback of Next Round Live, is joining us right now, Ryan Brown. Uh, Alabama making the rounds today. No show knows that program better than the next round, uh, which you can catch each morning starting at 9 a.m. Central on any social media platform. Ryan, good to see you, man. Hope things are well. Boys, what's happening, man? And when you started with the quarterback, I'm like, uh, did I sit down at the wrong table? Because <laughs> never never played the position. Hey, you uh, you had the guy. You had Bryce Young on earlier, I believe, yeah. today. Um, yeah. it, news and notes from that. I mean, you have the Heisman Trophy winner returning with the with the Crimson Tide, trying to, to win the championship, not just get there. You know, I, I thought one of the most interesting things from him, first of all, he he's just a really chill, soft-spoken guy. I mean, for a guy that had the season he had and, you know, has made the money he's made in NIL deals and won the Heisman and, you know, PK would know more about this, but, you know, might be the first overall or top 10 draft pick. You know, I mean, this is a really cool, humble kid. I mean, he just, he does not exude that type of person. He's, he's just the type of guy you'd kind of like to sit and chop it up with and, he did that with us, and I thought the most impressive thing he said, you know, Alabama's going to have a lot of new parts on that offense that have come through the transfer portal, both as top, likely top receivers. One transfer from Georgia and Jermaine Burton, KTRL from uh, Louisville, and then Jameer Gibbs, the running back that will start behind him, transferred him from Georgia Tech. So some, And then one of his offensive linemen from Vanderbilt. And we asked him about that and about, you know, meshing those guys in and making them feel comfortable. And he said, you know, a lot of people look at them and say it's their responsibility. In truth, it's my responsibility. I've got to be the leader of the offense. I've got to make them feel as comfortable and prepared as possible. And I just thought that showed a lot of maturity from from a guy that, you know, exudes that. He exudes a lot of maturity. But I think that's the interesting storyline with him and this Alabama offense is how many of these guys weren't even part of this team one year ago. Where would you rank him, Ryan, uh, on uh, the quarterbacks that Saban has had with expectations yeah. going into a year. Is he the unquestioned number one guy on a list of of several in recent years? Yeah, in terms of expectation, yeah. You know, we we had that discussion on our show today. Uh, where does he rank in Alabama history? Because he is Alabama's first Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, but he also hasn't won a national championship. And at Alabama, you know, if you don't win a national championship right. as a quarterback, you don't really, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but you don't really rank. You know, two is kind of complicated because he didn't win one as a starter wire to wire, but they absolutely don't win, win one without him coming off the bench at halftime. So he kind of gets, you know, some credit for that one. A.J. McCarron won a couple. 
Um, but to me, Bryce Young is the best quarterback Alabama has ever had. I mean, he was phenomenal last year. And look, I'm a Dolphins fan, so you know I love me some Tua, and I loved him when he was at Alabama. But he was playing with a, a room full of NFL wide receivers. And, you know, while Jamison Williams and John Mechie both got drafted, obviously, I don't think anybody would would say to you that Bryce Young was playing with the same level of talent. Right. And listen, we're talking about Alabama talent, so the falloff's not huge, but the same level of talent uh, that even Tua Tungvaloa was. So, you know, I, I I think he could potentially be the greatest quarterback in Alabama history, but he's probably got to win a national championship to secure that. You should readjust your expectations and be rooting for Tom Brady to be your quarterback next year uh, if you're a Dolphins He'll, he'll take that. Oh, I, I would take well, I mean, Look, you know this. If Tua can't, if he can't succeed with Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, there will be somebody else playing quarterback there next year, and I'm okay with that. How surprised were you to see Arch Manning uh, pick uh, a future SEC team, but not a current SEC team when he made his decision? You know, I I, I wasn't surprised as much that it was Texas. Um, I, I well, let me say it this way, Paul. I, I wasn't stunned it wasn't Alabama because Alabama had gone and gotten a commit from Eli Holstein, who was a top 10 quarterback um, who was out of the state of Louisiana. So when you got that commitment, and they have since, by the way, added, I think, um, you know, 24-7 and on three have them both eight and ninth in the country. So they've got those two quarterbacks. So when they were taking other quarterbacks, it was a pretty good indication they weren't getting Arch Manning. So I wasn't surprised you didn't pick Alabama. Uh, you know, it looked like it came down to Texas and Georgia. And there's a lot to like about Georgia, but one thing about Georgia is Kirby has been hesitant to open up that offense. He he just has not really, you know, they just haven't had an offense that matches what even Alabama has done. And they really haven't had to, they haven't been forced to by anybody in the East to do that. So you look at what Sark has done with quarterbacks and it kind of made sense for him to go to Texas. And I think he just kind of wanted to blaze his own trail and, and not be, you know, not be Tennessee, not be Ole Miss, maybe not even be a traditional SEC school. So I wasn't blown away that Texas, I always kind of felt like Sarkeesian and Texas would win that battle. Ryan Brown with us next round live, uh, the, the show you can follow Ryan on Twitter at Ryan Brown live. It's Alabama, Georgia, and who else? Who's third right now to you in the, in the conference? Well, a lot of your viewers and listeners are going to love this answer, but I have convinced myself. And now let me, let me preface what I'm about to say that last year I convinced myself Ole Miss would go 10 and two. And they, in fact, went 10 and two. Yeah. Uh, so I should also follow up and say the likelihood of me doing this in consecutive years is very, very low. Is this a Lance? Lo- have, is this Lance's lock? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I think Lance actually does agree with this. Okay. By the way, uh, but I am going to say Tennessee goes 10 and two this year. Uh, I I think the Vols lose only to Georgia and Alabama, and I think that Alabama game's got potential. Well, I mean, if my prediction is correct, that's going to be two undefeated teams playing at Neyland Stadium. The week after, by the way, Alabama plays that emotional game against Texas A&M. Um, I think, and I was a huge critic, I will own this, that I was a huge critic of the hypo hire. I thought it was lazy and uninspired, and I thought he did a really good job, especially at the end of last year, maybe got quarterback wrong early. I convinced myself Tennessee's 10-2. and two. So if they're 10-2 and two and they only lose to Bama and Georgia, that's your number three team in the SEC. Last time they won 10 games, 2007. Yeah, it has been Same, a while. The, the, yeah, last time they were in Atlanta, by right? Yeah. Is that it, do, yes. those not match up? Yeah. Do you see the That's offense? Crazy it's been that long. Do you see the offense carrying the defense for them to get there? Or do you see the defense being better, maybe than a lot of people imagine. 
Well, you know, I mean, I'm basing this a lot. Oh, first of all, I very much like Hendon Hooker. I think the way he ended the season last year, Paul, he was playing tremendous football. So, you know, you start there. I, you know, I just think by nature of the way that offense goes, by nature of the fact that they are running that many plays at that rapid of a pace, it's going to naturally put your defense in a little bit of a jam. So, yeah, I mean, I think the offense would probably carry the defense in that aspect, but you got to understand, you know, anymore, I think you can't look at points per game. You got to look at points per possession, points per opponent possession, or points per plays that a team has run. And and if Tennessee's defense can keep that stat down, maybe points per game look a little out of whack, but their their opponents are going to get a lot of possessions because Tennessee, they can go three and out quickly or they can score quickly. So naturally, you're going to get more possessions playing them. So I think when you look at points per game at the end of the year, maybe that Tennessee defense doesn't look great. But they'll do enough with that offense, I think, to be 10-2. and two. The battle for 2-3 and three in each division is going to be fascinating because of the quarterbacks. Well, I'll pick up on Hendon Hooker, but what a difference a year makes. Uh, th- this year feels more like a throwback SEC media days in, a, in, in some ways because of the quarterbacks on display with, with Bryce Young, Mike Wright, Hendon Hooker, Will Levis will be there tomorrow, uh, K.J. Jefferson, Stetson Bennett. I mean, I, I wasn't rattling off seven or eight guys at this time last year. And, and now, yeah. now they've played to a level where they can now achieve more than maybe expectations were like for them 12 months ago. That, that to me, really signals the, the depth of the conference, even though we still know the cream of the crop, Alabama and Georgia. Yeah, you know, what's crazy, though, is you mentioned Will Levis. And, you know, I, know, I, I don't know what PK has heard, but, I, I've talked to somebody that I trust very much in the league that says this isn't just media hype, that they've talked to teams that have this guy at the top of their quarterback board. He has the strongest and, arm. I mean, to me, yeah. he's at the top of that list. But so explain to me, I mean, and this is something that is difficult to figure out. Let's assume, let's assume for a moment, you get the same defense from Mark Stoops that you normally get, all right? Let's assume that. And Will Levis plays to a top 10 NFL draft pick level. I'm probably wrong about Tennessee. I mean, how does Kentucky not at least factor into the East somehow if yeah. both those things occur? I mean, it, it's kind of hard for both those things to happen and them, you know, be a seven-win team. It really it comes to, to answer that. It comes down to which quarterback is the contender versus pretender, right? If yeah. if Hendon Hooker has the type of year you're talking about, I'm I'll be, I'm fascinated to find out where he ends up in the draft, right? Like yeah. that, there are some questions in the East. Um, you know, we, uh, Paul, we didn't even touch on what was going on in the West, but behind Bryce Young, there's, there's a nice crop of young quarterbacks there. So um, I had a column where we had a big topic last year about, man, wh- what has happened to the depth at quarterback in this conference? And do the transfer portal and other things, we now have an answer to that, which is it's very competitive for the first time in a while. If, if you're liking Tennessee the way you are and you've got a good feeling about Will Levis, where does that leave you with Florida? Well, you know, especially at the quarterback position, I think Anthony Richardson is a fascinating study. Um, there are people that really like him, but there are times he's been badly inconsistent. I'll tell you an image of him that it's difficult for me to shake. And, you know, some of your viewers may not have seen this, and I get that, but Last year in the Alabama game, he was unavailable, um, so they could not use him. Now, Florida played right in that game. They had every opportunity. It came down to a two-point conversion to potentially beat Alabama in that game. But he was unavailable in the game, and at halftime, Alabama jumped out to a big lead, and then Florida closed the gap. At halftime, he's doing, like, backflips going to the locker room. Like, how can you not be available because of injury, but you could do backflips going to the locker room? 
those those images are hard for me to shake when it comes to a quarterback because that then leads to the question of how much you actually want to be on the field. But look, under Billy Napier, he's going to have to be out on the field. I just don't know that that roster is good enough to support him. Um, maybe he's the type of quarterback that a lot of people think he is, which would factor into that NFL draft talk. I just don't know with the recruiting of Dan Mullen that Billy Napier has got the roster around him to to actually support that type. I think they're more of like a 6-7 win team in Napier's first year. You know Auburn well, um, and you know what it was like uh, behind the scenes with the coup that tried to get Harson out of there. It didn't work. Uh, Harson, to his credit, also tried to get the Oregon job. Um, where, do, where do things end there, Ryan? I mean, I think we know what's, what's going to happen this year with Auburn. Maybe we don't. I'm, so, I'm talking record-wise. Yeah. But are I mean are we seeing the do we already know the end result or do you think behind closed doors if we ask Brian Harson hey man do you long term you want to be at Auburn would he actually say yeah I want to be here they don't want me here or would he say uh, I'd like a parachute somewhere well I mean there is a parachute in that contract and that's the whole reason he is still there by the way was they just could not cough up the seventy five percent of the remaining contract to fire him. And without that type of buyout, he probably gets fired last year. They just couldn't justify it. Um, you know, I mean, it is it is literally the multi-million dollar question in this state. You know, what does it take for him to save his job? Because if you're going to fire him after year one, you're ready to fire him in year two as well. He didn't do anything in the offseason that makes you think, oh, if anything, he he might have added fuel to the fire because he was the one that actually won. I mean, power boosters went against him and he won. That's pretty rare in college football. So, you know, if anything, those guys, they do not like being wrong. They do not like not getting their way. So I, I don't even know what the magic number is. A lot of people say eight and four, but I always say to that, you got to tell me who are the four yeah. and how do those games go? Right. You know, I mean, they, they've obviously the Iron Bulls at the end of the year, if Alabama wins by 35 and that's one of your four losses, you know, that leaves a bad taste in people's mouth. Um, look, I mean, I think it comes down to the obvious games. They're playing Alabama and Georgia, the, both on the road. They're going to be underdogs in both those games. So it's going to come down to how you do against Mississippi State, who beat you last year. Arkansas, LSU, you know, the same old teams from the West. They play Penn State out of conference. You know, my gut tells me eight and four. He's okay. Seven and five. It's a toss up six and six. They're probably coming after him again. That, that would be my gut. Ryan Brown, our guest. When I see LSU on paper, I don't see a bad team. Uh, Depth-wise, uh, I see I, I see a roster that still has talent and then has been supplemented through the transfer portal. Uh, that being said, I don't have high expectations uh, for LSU this year overall. Where should expectations be set for for Brian Kelly in year one? I'm thinking this as he's talking yesterday at the podium, and I I mean there's really no good answer because we know yeah. what he was hired to do and why he left Notre Dame. And if he left Notre Dame for what he says he left for, then expectations should be very high in year number one for him. You know, what's interesting about that, though, is he left Notre Dame, and a lot of people say, yeah, he left Notre Dame because it's becoming increasingly difficult to recruit there. But if you look at what Marcus Freeman's doing right now, they're the number two recruiting class of the nation. So I find that really interesting. But on the LSU side of it, you know, I mean, I guess Jaden Daniels is going to be the starter there, who was a guy that looked terrific as a freshman at Arizona State and has never progressed and maybe has even regressed a little bit. And the other thing that you got to factor in with Brian Kelly, who, by the way, I'm a fan of. I think Brian Kelly is an excellent football coach, and I think he can turn LSU back around and and get them back to a championship level. He's done it everywhere. But, yeah, I mean, you look at every single stop. You go back to Grand Valley State, Central Michigan, Cincinnati, Notre Dame. He has won everywhere. 
And I mean, at Notre Dame, he had them, you know, twice in the college football playoff, once in the national championship game back in the BCS days against Alabama. So they were a national contender. And that's, you know, Notre Dame had not done that much since Lou Holtz. So, yeah, I think he's done it everywhere he's gone. But that bowl roster was very thin for them. I think they had like 35 guys on their bowl roster, 35 scholarship players, excuse me, on their bowl roster. So you got to rebuild the depth. Uh, and, and that is no fast process. So I do think I'm kind of with you. You know, I can think both these things at the same time. That yeah. Brian Kelly is an excellent coach, but I do think it's going to take some build time. And this is a tough division to build in. You know, when you're talking about Nick Saban still killing it at Alabama, Jimbo Fisher trying to build Texas A&M, you know, Lane Kiffin getting Ole Miss to a 10-win season, Mike Leach. I mean, it's, it's a difficult division to build in right now. Hey, congrats on uh, all the success. Go ahead, Paul. I'm sorry. I, I was just going to ask a Missouri question. You get a third sure. third defensive coordinator in three years. Doesn't seem like a path to develop anything consistently there. Uh, are they looking for a new coach after this year? Not a new coordinator. Yeah, you know, Paul, I was I was not I was not sold on Drinkwitz. It it you know Appalachian State is a good college football program, but he had that job one year. And he was following Scott Satterfield, who cashed in to take the Louisville job. And Satterfield had built that program up. Drinkwitz takes it one year. I think they were 12 and two. And you hire him. And those are always, you know, I compare those hires to like the the college basketball job that's open. And they hire the guy that got hot in the NCAA tournament. And they ignore the fact that, you know, he'd had like four or 500 seasons before that. But he got hot in the NCAA tournament. I felt like that hire with Drinkwitz. So I've never been a big fan of that hire. And I could definitely see a path to what you just asked me, that it's not coordinators anymore that it is it is him on the way out. And if you go look at their schedule, you could see a path to a four and eight, five and seven type of year that, that I think would end it for him there. Ryan Brown, Next Round Live is the show you can catch on any social media p- platform. Just search it out there. Uh, mornings, 9 a.m. Central. And um, you just surpassed a year, right? Congratulations on that. Uh, launching last year at this time, I believe, at SEC Media Days. Yeah, this was our first big launch at SEC Media Days. We started our daily show August 16th of last year. And I do not say this just because I'm on the show. You guys know this to be true. Uh, we probably never do this without seeing you guys do it first. So <laughs> I, I really appreciate you guys being trailblazers there and uh, showing us how it was done. Hey, man, uh, we we uh, we certainly appreciate all you did for us as well uh, throughout that uh, transition period. Um, and and in, in, in perfect uh, in perfect tone and how things would go to, to celebrate their internet dropped out yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> so, congratulations on your recovery. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. We burned up a uh, computer back at the uh, studio in Birmingham <laughs> and we, yeah, we're only two and a half hours away in Atlanta. So not much you could do about that, but Hey, we, we fought through, we duct taped it together. We went Apollo 13, got yeah. it to the ground and uh, we were back fine today. Hey man, appreciate the time and we'll catch up soon. Tell everybody we said hello. Thanks. All right, boys. Take care. Good talking with you. Yeah, man. You too. There's Ryan Brown. Ryan Brown live on Twitter. Next round live. The show coming up. We'll go back down to SEC Media Days. Quarterback Mike Wright for the Vanderbilt Commodores. Name the starter today at SEC Media Days. That's next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Glad you're with us. Our SEC coverage continues here on OutKick 360 and across the OutKick network. PK will be back with us momentarily. Hutton with you, joined by Vanderbilt quarterback Mike Wright here on the program. Mike, great to have you on, man. Yes, sir. I'm glad to be here. Um, It's an amazing opportunity. Um, I'm extremely excited. I'm around all these great people, and uh, I'm just so happy to be here. It's it's a level of excitement, so you might catch me smiling a little bit too much now. (laughs) Well, I, I would be smiling, too, just based on continuity alone. I mean, you finally have an offensive coordinator that's that you finished the season with that's back. I mean, there there is some familiarity there that's got to be helpful with, with Joey being there. Yeah, and I think um, Coach Lynch has done an amazing job as far as um, preparing us throughout this offseason. Uh, that, was a, that was a level of focus for us, and especially as an offense on, you know, moving forward and um, just going back and looking at film and finding ways where we can clean up and – just finding ways and where we should get better. And so that's been the level of emphasis for us. Um, you know, our, our objective this year is playing at the highest level as a team. Um, we we have so much potential as a team, and we're going to tap into it. And um, best believe that's our goal, and that's what we're going to do. Also, I mean, just year one to year two uh, with uh, with Clark Lee. I mean, that the familiarity, you're not having to learn each other. You know, it, it, certainly you're always trying to gain more trust, but you don't have to do that with a blank slate now. Uh, that's also extremely beneficial going into year two. Yeah, right. You you skip introductions. There's no yeah. more. Hey, how you doing? I'm Mike Wright. How you doing? I'm Coach Lee. <laughs> you know, we you you skip all that, and then it just becomes, you know, like you said, building that trust up and and building relationships. And you know, you're not learning a different system. You're not learning a different offense. You're not learning a different defense. So um, that's why everybody's extremely excited because we're we're learning the same stuff and we're just moving fast. So you can it allows you to play faster when you're just. You know, it's keeping the same system, keeping the same terminology. At that point, all it is is just improving it. So, Vanderbilt quarterback Mike Wright, our guest on Outkick 360. I, I, I've we've had the discussion on, on the show in the past, Mike. I'm not sure if momentum carries over uh, to finish a season. Like, I don't, I don't believe in a bowl, a bowl win carrying over to the next season. Rosters turn over quite a bit, but. In Vandy's case, and especially in, in your case, you're able to start five of the last six games. Is there momentum in that that you can carry over regardless of result? Yeah, I think I think different from momentum is just progress. I think that's what we're doing as a football team and as an organization. I think when there's a level of progression, when you can feel yourself getting better, when you can see the team getting better, um, that's our momentum in a sense. So I think as you kind of stated in the back end of the season, we start having a you know more success on defense, more success on offense, more success in the special teams game, and so um, that in a sense that momentum is really just progress and that's growing as a team and that's growing as a unit. So um, as far as the carryover is still there, and we want to just keep tapping into it. We want to keep increasing. We want to keep building, and so um, that's what we're going to do. So uh, certainly live in Nashville, just like I do. Um, mm-hmm. You're from Atlanta, though, right. so you've gone from home to home here for SEC Media Days. Right. And it's 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 always a different feeling. And it's just a it's a great feeling just to be back home. And um, in a sense, you always kind of carry your city with you. So I'm here representing my city. Um, saw people I went to high school with earlier down there and downstairs. Um, got a chance to see my family, uh, see my two sisters, Maya and Ava. 
uh, see my mom, see my dad. And so, I mean, uh, it, like you said, I'm, I'm back here in Atlanta. Uh, I'm feeling good. You know, you can quote me on this and I'll say this anywhere. It's the greatest city in the world. It's the greatest city in the world. I mean, I, I love this city. I love everything that has done for me. Um, so it's, it's, it's an amazing opportunity. It's home, right? I mean, that, is, that, that defines it right there. Mm-hmm. Yep, hey, what, tell me about this trip to Disney. Um, oh, you, my goodness. With, with a few of your uh, your teammates. What what brought this about? I don't know the backstory here. No, um, yeah, I, I got okay. you. So um, we went down there. So like you said, me and a couple of teammates, um, my brother, uh, Taco Wright, uh, Anthony Orji, and Alex Brown, um, we took a trip to Disney. And so, uh, like you said, we, I mean, we're having fun down there, riding roller coasters, just a chance to kind of, step away before everything kind of gets to jumping. And um, as we're walking out, Jack, Jack, um, Jack Lee, Coach, uh, Coach Lee's son, he's Mike, Mike. And me, I'm just like, okay, there's a thousand, we're at Disney, there's a thousand mics here. But no, uh, Coach Lee, boys. And so like we saw Coach Lee and it's a small world. I hate to use the cliche, but it's a small world. Coach Lee and uh, all his family was down there. And um we chatted for about 15, 20 minutes in the middle of the park in front of everybody. Didn't care who could hear our conversation or anything, but that's a testament to who Coach Lee is. I mean, we're a part of as He's there with his family. We're a part of his family, too. And so um, it's just that level of relationship, that, that level of love that's there. Um, it was amazing. It was amazing for us to be down there and, and, and to run into him completely surprised. And it, it made that trip even more better, so. I wonder, in a way, is it like um, you remember the feeling of like uh, elementary, middle school, if you saw your teacher anywhere right. but school? And it was right. like a weird feeling, like, do I speak? You know, is it, it's a little awkward. Is See, it the same way with him? Absolutely not. Because let me tell you something. <laughs> so at Disney, Disney's pretty high tech. And I didn't realize that. I'm thinking yeah. this is just right. So we set off the the mom, the like the meter as far as noise. So security had to come tell us, hey, we thought there was something happening because there's so much noise and there was, cause we were like, that's how excited we were to see each other and, you know, hugs and Hey, what ride did you ride? What did you do? What did you do? What did you do? And so, um, I don't know. It was nothing like that. It's like I said, coach Lee, he's a player's coach. It's easy to play for a guy who, you know, cares about you and who you care about. So that level of will, that level of determination to go out there and give it everything you got. It's different when you know the guy you're playing for is actually in your corner and you're just not a number on the board. So, what's the best ride you you guys uh, rode at Disney? Oh my goodness! So the Raptor was top notch okay. uh, in Jurassic Jurassic Park, and then the whole those are my two favorite ones right there. Those did those you, two right there. Did uh, did this park also have the Harry Potter ride? You know what I'm talking about. So we Anthony Origi, um, our starting linebacker. Uh, we were, he's the biggest Harry Potter fan ever. Okay, <laughs> I'll go out on a limb saying I am nowhere near the biggest, a big Harry Potter fan. I've seen maybe one movie, but he's convinced me to buy four wands. We rode the Harry Potter ride three times, and <laughs> I didn't try butterbeer until I got there, and I would get it every single time I go. So we rode, oh yeah, we we spent a lot of time in Harry Potter land for sure. So uh, our show, we were out in L.A. for the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. And right, they've got yep. Universal there, and uh, I don't know if it's the same ride or not. I'm assuming it is, but you feel like you're on a mm-hmm. broomstick. You know what I'm talking yes. about? Like yes. that, that was the, the sensation of that, and how they like trick your mind into feeling like you're on a broomstick is crazy to me. So my feet are dangling in the air, and um, <laughs> for me, I kind of like to feel planted at all times. But uh, yeah. so it was definitely an experience. You kind of feel like you're there, and uh, it was it was just a fun. It was a fun trip. It was a fun trip for us. Um, 
amazing just to get closer with, you know, just brothers on the team. And like you said, we were running in a coach league. And so it was just a, it was a good trip. It was a great trip for us. And, but now it's like, all right, we're ready to work. I mean, that was, that was kind of like our little essential break. Um, just cause you know, just time, just to step away, you need that mental, that mental cleanse. And then, but now it's all ball. I mean, we're, we're ready to go. I mean, that's, that's stories we'll, we'll tell our kids and their kids about it. So, um, I'm ready to go now, though. Mike Wright, our guest. Mike, how do you go from the quarterback that's battling for playing time? We, we mentioned it earlier in this chat, just trying to earn the respect of a new head coach and a coordinator and a coordinator change and, and different things to now being the leader of the offense and trying to establish your tone, your voice with that group. Right. Well, one thing that I like to focus on is just, you know, controlling what you can control. Um, whenever my number is called, I'm going to make sure that I get it everything I got. I mean, I prepare no matter if I'm the guy. If I'm not the guy, if I'm third, fourth, one, two, it doesn't matter. I'm prepared like I am the guy. And so that level of hard work, that level of leadership, it doesn't change. Um, it's all of, it's just about when, when your number gets called. And that's the same for SEALs. That's the same for the new guys coming in. Uh, that's our identity as a quarterback room. No matter when your number is called, the level of preparation is there. Everybody prepares as if they're going to take the first snap. So that way there's not a, there's no, okay, I don't know what's going on. There's no drop off. That's who we are as a quarterback room. That's our identity. So um, now it's just, I will take the first snap. That's, that's the only difference. Um, and so, um, but like you said, that level of leadership, that, that doesn't change. Um, I'm, I've always kind of been a leader on a team. I've always kind of wanted to, you know, guide the team in, in the right direction and the direction I know that we can go just because I can see where we can go. So um, that's why I think everybody in the in the the mood in our facility, the mood in our organization, the kind of the different mindset, the attitude that we're bringing this year, it's just it's different because we know what we can tap into. Does the does the QB one get the get first dibs on on Coach Lynch's candy stash in the drawer? So that is an amazing question. So there, I, I eat candy all day long. I I can tell you about any type of candy. I can tell you about anything. So can Coach Lynch. So um, whenever we go in there and watch film, how normal people would, you know, take a bottle of water and drink film, uh, you know, drink water. No, we eat Sour Patch Kids when we when we watch film. So right. um, he he he's the only person in that facility I know who can who can maybe give me some competition as far as how much candy I eat, but not yet. I say I'm a Jolly Rancher. Uh, I'm going Jolly Rancher over I'm Sour Patch Kids. Yeah. That's long. That's that's long lasting. That's long lasting. <laughs> I like it. Hey, uh, finally, it, not a bad way to start the season if you have to start on the road. You guys oh, in week zero, it sounds like a high school week, week zero right? Uh, at Hawaii. That doesn't suck. Yeah, I know. We got to go all the way out to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that's, that would be an exciting trip. That would be a, a good trip for for uh, us and our team. I know a lot of guys haven't been anywhere near Hawaii. So um, that would be, be an experience. That would be something that, that we'll talk about forever. And uh, like you said, we have, we have week zero. So we understand that our, we had the first game of college football and we're embracing that challenge. We're embracing that role for us and as a team, and as a program. So um, we're excited. We'll take that flight out there um, and, and enjoy our time and, you know, um, head back home and essentially with smiles on our face. So, Mike Wright has been our guest. Mike, good to catch up with you, man. Enjoy the day back home uh, as you make the rounds there at the College Football Hall of Fame. And uh, we will catch up during the season here in Nashville. That sounds good. I'll have to come see you. All right. That sounds great, man. There's Mike right, Wright, quarterback of the Vanderbilt Commodores.
Outkick 360 rolls on. I had the chance to catch up with Mike earlier uh, this morning as they, they got boots on the ground extremely early this morning, thanks to, to Vandy for hooking us up with the QB. Uh, they will uh, sit us down with Clark Lee later in today's show, the, the head coach. Um, uh, really a nice young man there uh, talking with him. Cool. Um, and now he's got the reins of the offense. They officially named him the starter. And that's something we'll bring up with with head coach uh, Clark Lee a, a bit later in in today's show. Um, but starting on the road against Hawaii, they they need to win early because man, that schedule it's brutal for everyone. But Vandy's on a twenty one game SEC losing streak right now. It's been a while, and uh, any win would help build some momentum towards building on the future of whatever. Clark Lee's trying to do this year. They've lost to some bad non-SEC uh, schools point. along yes, the way have. there, too. So He's a slight guy there. You hope he withstands what's being sent at him by SEC schools and whoever else. Yeah, quite the athlete. They're extremely mobile um, and, and fun to watch whenever he, he decides to tuck and run. Now, one of his uh, offensive teammates we also had the chance to visit with earlier today. The Vanderbilt Commodores making the rounds in Atlanta. Welcome back to Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Joined by tight end Ben Bresnahan, senior for the Commodores. Ben, great to have you on the show. Yeah, great for, to be here, Jonathan. Thanks for having me today. First, uh, first time having the same offensive coordinator in back-to-back seasons. Um, as as a guy who's asked to block and receive, uh, I mean, you've got to you have to feel a little bit of continuity there, don't you? Definitely. And yeah, as you said, first coordinator back to back season, which is awesome. And, you know, really excited about what Coach Lynch has in store for us this year. We're really heading shoulders over like what we're, where we were at last year. And so really excited to, you know, get camp started up and keep moving forward and keep growing as a unit on the offensive side of the ball and looking forward to week, week zero with Hawaii. So you, uh, in spring last year and moving mm-hmm. forward, you're just trying to, they're trying to get the install in. Yeah. Can you explain for me, like, what, the difference in a full off season now, knowing the coaching staff, knowing how they want things done, and technique, and and just the play calls, and how there's a rhythm and flow to things that would seem a bit different. Definitely, is that rhythm there, and just that learning curve is so much easier after like end going into year two because you don't have to learn, you know, the new uh, whatever, um, all the new names for stuff and where to line up and all this, the little things that you know people always don't think about, but it takes a little bit of time to install in. So it's really great to be able to already know that from last year and be able to do that so quickly and just not even think about it, and also having that relationship with you know the QBs too, and really uh, really excited for you know spring ball. It was great. We really were able to open up the playbook with Coach Lynch and. Um, so that's been awesome. And then now going to the summer ball, we've been able to really work with each other and just getting on the, the same page, um, you know, on all, all sides of, or all facets of the offensive side of the ball. So it's been great there. Tight end Ben Bresnahan, our guest here on Now Kick 360. Uh, you explored the, the possibility of the NFL draft um, a, a few months back. What motivated you to return? I did. Yeah, that was definitely on the table. And really, it was talking with Coach Lee, Coach Lynch, and Coach Lustig. And really, you know, getting their kind of viewpoint um, and really seeing what was best for me. And that's what I really appreciated from them was like, if you want to go to the NFL, you can. And that's what's best for you and this program, you know, overall. But then we'd love to have you back if you think that's what's best for you. And just being able to talk with them and being able to kind of come back and really have confidence in what Coach Lee and Coach Lynch and Coach Lustig, where they really bring this program. Um, and also 
with the brotherhood that we have on the team too. Uh, you know, I'm really excited to be back in the locker room with the guys. Um, so really excited for that. Going into so if, if the NBA, um, you know, if, if a player wants to get the toe in the water and figure out where he may go, there's a, there's a process in place there. Um, but beyond just talking with your college coaches, what, what are things that you can do to kind of gauge whether or not you're making the right call with the NFL? Uh, definitely. That's where I went to for the most part, um, okay. because, you know, they're able to have that, you know, more of a, um, kind of talk with them about it other than just me with the direct contact. Yeah. But, so, <laughs> yeah. So that's definitely kind of how the route that I took and really appreciate that kind of, you know, or let me know, uh, kind of where, what it was looking like and what the best decision was. I, I, for me, I, if I was making the decision and it was literally 50, 50 and I'm playing at Vandy where and you're going into a senior year where you're trying to get over the hump. I mean, you've, you've put in a lot of work, not much result in the win loss column last year. I would want to see that through. I would want to see the first sec victory in a while. Is that something you also consider? Not necessarily. I mean, Obviously, something to think about, but really, I don't. And I'm just really excited to, you know, get on, on the field with the boys this year with, you know, uh, this team with the coach leaves put, put together this year. Uh, and really excited just to see what we can do because, you know, our goal this year is to play at the highest level as a team together. So, whether it's, you know, whatever that looks like, we're going to try to reach for that and really get there and play the best ball that we've probably ever played, you know, going into the season. What, where is your go to spot for, for dinner in Nashville? You, you live off campus, I believe, right? Yeah, I do. I do. You know, they treat us really nice at the facility all the time. And, you know, you don't have to pay too much money to go over there at all. <laughs> so that's really the great cool. spot. But then, um, you know, I've uh, gotten into, I mean, I don't want to be stereotypical, but over, uh, I, I've been doing a little internship this summer right by there. There's a Hattie B's over there too. Oh yeah. So a uh, little Hattie B's grilled chicken sandwich. And that's been awesome. So that's always been a great choice for mine. Oh, so no, so no Kane Prime or, or Ruth Chris, you're, you're going straight uh, hot chicken. Uh, I like the hot chicken, but also, I mean, yeah, definitely the steak is, you know, go-to as well. Me and, uh, you know, me and actually our buddy Joel, their tight end, uh, senior tight end. We always have a little uh, little rating of the steak on Friday night before game. We always do that because we always, always have a couple before the games on Saturday, but yeah. What What so. is, uh what, what's the day like? Do you have your schedule in front of you? Do you know, like, what the gauntlet of, of media and the different rooms you're popping into there? Don't really know where the rooms exactly are. Kind of figure that out on the fly, but definitely, I mean, have at least a little sheet of what, what kind of in general, what we're, what we're doing. <laughs> so. Ben Bresnahan, uh, our guest, man, good to catch up with you. Uh, best of luck uh, with, with everything getting, getting going here for the season. Stay healthy first and foremost. Yeah. And uh, we'll be tuned in at the end of next month as you guys head to Hawaii. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jonathan. Thanks for your time today. Yeah, man. Same here. There's Ben Bresnahan on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Sixth and Peabody, our location, our studio here at the Distillery and Brewery. 
downtown Nashville with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Paul, people ask us, where is 6th and Peabody? Peabody and 6th. Yep. It's over behind the Music City Center, near those two Titans murals. We love it. We love it. They have the private event going on and everything. I know. It's a little bit different atmosphere. Still open to the public typical. if you're in the Middle Tennessee area. But yeah, the different vibe. Yeah. A more corporate vibe. Yeah. Today. Not a... Uh, don't let you can't let my hair down here today. Hey, yeah. I got to button it up. Hey, I saw. Uh, I, I laughed at this during the break because it reminded me of you, and I think you'll know where I'm going here on this. Uh, there was a uh, the stories at Outkick.com. There, there's a cameraman at a track and field meet, like a world track and field meet, that tripped as he's he's covering the race and fell into the course. Some, uh, again, in somebody's like, way yeah oh, uh, so uh, i mean I, did they have to restart the race i don't know i don't i haven't uh, been able to I, i'm i've only seen the video not the the full story here but he's he's like he has his back turned to the participants in this three it's a three thousand meter steeplechase I, and he's getting a shot of someone and then the other participants have to go around him as he stumbles into the track. And I thought of Paul because this ties into our trip to New York, um, 2014, I think, maybe a year after that, at the Super Bowl where uh, a producer tripped and, <laughs> and fell into Paul. And I, I mean, it, pushed this guy off. Paul asked, said, Get Paul, the hell off of me. He man. acted like the guy did it on purpose. And I, said, I remember, don't man, fall. That, don't was, fall. that was hard. That, like, this it, comes a little bit from my dad, but the solution yeah. here is don't, don't, don't fall. Don't fall. In, but also, it was, it was tough in that. And we were jam-packed in there. I mean, I navigated we the place all week, and I didn't fall once. You navigated it. Chad navigated it. We didn't fall once all week. We had <laughs> a producer with often. us who is a, a, a clumsy fool, <laughs> no, and he did, didn't fall we once. We didn't on that trip. He wasn't with no, us? No, I, I, I was playing engineer and producer yeah, and host that yeah. day. And I know you got double pay for that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Here's the race. We've, we've got it pulled up here if, if the, the internet will buffer. But um, the cameraman on the track and then the internet runners. Internet buffer. The 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 cameramen have to go all all the way around the participants. It's a uh, here it comes. It's it's quite the there it was not quite buffering. the ordeal. Um, great shot. Of hit us up buffering. on Twitter at Outkick three sixty. Um, home run derby last night. We love it. And if it were if it was going into the softball game, you keep the home run derby on as long as you want. But it was going into uh, the captain and Paul and I discussed earlier. We we want to get that derby over with, man. Uh, they were I think they were trying to speed it up. They had two or three overtime sessions. Uh, they should have showed the captain derby. first. Should've also, I don't know. How, they should have showed the captain first and then the home run derby. I don't know about the um, the getting extra time for two long homers because a couple of the guys said like they're not interested in long homers. They just want to get the ball out. So I don't know. Should you be rewarded for uh, hitting two four forties with they've, extra time? I think they've tweaked it. Um, they've made it. They've they've kept it. You know the. It's it's hard to screw up a home run derby, but they've kept it simple. Like it's ve- they've changed the rules a bit, but it's still simple to figure out. Used to is like you have ten outs. Yeah, right. You get and it, once you you miss on ten homers or swings, you're out. I think you, setting the clock and let them go is fine. I don't know that I like you need the clock a and bonus. I like the bracket. I like the bracket matchup. We got the other guy sitting there watching. And then, you know, you have the chance at these Yeah, but there's an element of luck to who you draw in the bracket. And I was surprised Alonzo wasn't the number one seed. I thought, 
I thought he was. He I takes no it too seriously, almost. Like they, I love it. I, I the, it would be different if he were if he was doing it for show. Like if Bryson DeChambeau did that, I would think he's playing up the long world's longest yeah. drive thing. Alonzo, like uh, Alonzo's into it, but it, I don't think he's doing it. It's like it's he doesn't play that up when I watch him with the Mets. No, it's right? not fake. But he's like he's but getting his legs loose. It's supposed to be a lighthearted event. It, it, but it's you know, also in like in the dugout, like I know, you know like, concentrating harder than people concentrate for the SATs or their uh, you know board exam. But the, that's that's the element of what the the dunk contest is missing. A guy that it it means something it doesn't have to be a star. It needs to be a winner that wants to come back and then break the record of how many wins you have in a dunk contest, like. That they're there, and then that that fuels competition it's with the, the younger stars. The dunk contest being judged the way it is, with everybody throwing no, up that, nines and tens all the time. That, that's I, what ruins the duck con- dunk contest. Uh, what in that, and the fact that we've literally seen everything. everything. You know, it's, it, at some point, a man cannot jump over five cars, maybe four. Exactly. You know, that's why <laughs> take it away for a while, but they can't do that. But the derby is the best of the exhibition nights. We have, the, yeah. we have the all-star game tonight. I'm, I'll, I'm, I'll tune in and tune out, but I'll stick through a, a majority of a home run derby. I'll stick through the majority of tonight. I'm going to dinner at 630. So the game I'm presuming starts at seven. So I'll tune in probably at eight. How many years straight is the AL one? It's a like lot. 20? Feels like 20? A lot. Enough for me to act like it matters and rub, <laughs> rub Chad's nose in. <laughs> well, I mean, they... they at one point, they were... At one point, it did matter, yeah. <laughs> even yeah. though it was really stupid. It's important because it counts, uh, whatever the slogan was for the All-Star game. So I don't know if they bounce back and forth now or if they just give it to the better team, which is how it should work. If you, <laughs> if you have a better regular season, <laughs> uh, uh, the team that has a better regular right. season yeah. that winds up in the World Series should host more games in the World <laughs> Series. It's pretty you simple. Would, you would think it would work out that way. Aaron Murray about to join us, the former Georgia quarterback and the SEC's all-time leading passer. He joins us next, and we'll discuss about uh, many things. But first and foremost, the returning national champion Georgia Bulldogs and their championship quarterback that does not get much hype this preseason.